Hey friends, you're listening to Changing the Conversation, a podcast by African Leadership and the Mocha Club, where we take time to sit down and explore topics to challenge our perspective in pursuit of better loving people and the world around us. Hey there, it's Fallon coming to you live from Changing the Conversation podcast. So glad you're here. Uh, Before we start, do me a quick favor, go grab a cup of coffee or maybe go refill your second or third cup of the day because on today's episode, we talk all things coffee. Today, I'm chatting with my friend Katie Rose, and she is the director of operations for the Well Coffee House here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a popular coffee shop, and a lot of people know about it, but for those that don't know too much about it, you're in for a treat. Um, We chat about her journey getting to the well and working for their team and the cool experiences that she has had getting her to that point. You'll love Katie. She's awesome. She's a sweet friend, and spoiler alert, she actually used to work for the Mocha Club, so it's sweet to have her back. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Katie! Hi! Hi, friend! <laughs> it's good to see you. It's been so long. Like, embarrassingly yeah, long. Yeah, you've gotten a haircut. You look so different. <laughs> <It's great>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, girl. It's still me, I promise. Um, okay, so Katie and I have known each other for a long time. Katie, tell the people, how do we know each other? What's our I history? I used to work at Mocha Club. Yes. And I love that. She did. So she was with us for, gosh, two years? Yeah. Pretty okay. close to that. Okay. Yeah. So Katie and I worked very closely on many things. I mean, working at a nonprofit, you wear so many hats. So Katie and I had the pleasure of just working really closely together for many years, and it was really fun. We miss you. I miss you guys. <laughs> it's good to see you, though. Yes. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. Okay. So Katie, paint us a little picture. Who is Katie? What's she doing in Nashville? What brought her here? We want to know. Well, I have a, a lot of jobs. I yes. like to do a lot of things. This is true. Yes. So a lot of people ended up knowing me because I did radio. I oh, did okay. it for about 15 years doing on-air stuff. Uh-huh. And I stepped down a few years ago and got a chance to work with Mocha Club and help artists tell their story and have them use their platform to share about what was going on in Africa and how that they could use their platform to make a difference. And yeah. I now work with a coffee house called The Well, and it's actually a nonprofit. So everything yes. above operating costs go to water projects. Oh, really cool. Yes. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. I love it. So I get to do the operations and get mm-hmm. to uh, help the managers run their stores. And yeah, I, awesome. I do a bunch of side things. I like yeah, yeah. Tell us more. Doing woodworking. Really? Yeah. Okay, what I do you make in these days? Oh, wait, hold on. Pause on the boxing. Let's go back to the woodworking. What yeah. are you making? A lot of times I do like wood walls. Oh, like okay, cool. Like pallet walls kind of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So do you have a pallet wall in your house that you've built? I do. <gasps> it's actually so cool. behind my bathtub and it goes oh, that's neat. all the way behind and all the way up the ceiling. Oh, very cool. And then have you like done friends homes as well yes in okay. fact every time I go oh I'm over it I figured out the puzzle I'm gonna move on uh-huh. someone else asks and I'm like that'd be a really cool place to have one so most of it's like I friends in music it. that I was like okay I have a friend that has a studio and they wanted one sure so now I've done like 38 of them oh my gosh yeah I think I'm done but I said that before <laughs> so we'll see so who's number 39 actually <laughs> some rooms in my house. (laughs) I'll give you a break. Oh, that's so cool. Did you just like watch YouTube videos and like learn how to do it? Or did you have a friend that was woodworking and you kind of learned or? 
I had seen something really similar and thought, I want this in my house. And I posted a picture on Facebook. And then that sort of started the, like, a friend saying, I saw this picture. Or I went in here and they said you did it. Can I do one in my house? Uh And it just kept going. Wow. But, like, how do you know, like, what to cut and how to put it together and... Do you just I, like can are you one of those people that can look at something and are just like, yeah, I can make that? Yeah. Oh, there we go. See, Sometimes I like you're like, it's a Chevy. No, you can't. But <laughs> I'm very overly confident on what I can do. I love it. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if you rebuilt a Chevy, honestly, knowing you. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. And then boxing. You just started boxing, you said. I love it. Yeah. Okay, where are you doing boxing? With title. Oh yeah, my roommate. Uh, just title boxing. I love it so much. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're like, get out your aggression. I'm like, I'm not that angry, but it's fun. <laughs> so if you're not angry, what do you think about when you're boxing? Well, they call me smiley because I oh. actually am like just smiling the whole time. I love it. But it's just, it's fun. It's and Everybody's there. And most of the time, I'm not someone who wants to like bond with you if, if I'm at the gym. Okay. I'm gross. Just let me do my thing. And <laughs> Yeah, but everyone there is just so happy and so encouraging, and it's yeah. actually been a really fun community to be I a part of. I love that. So, Do you go to the one on, off of Church Street by chance? I go to the one in Cool Springs. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. My roommate goes to the Church Street one. I was going to ask you if you knew her, but I, I don't think you cross paths or mats or what are the punching bags? bags. <laughs> <laughs> what are those things called? I obviously am a huge boxer. You'd be really good at it. <laughs> I went once and it was it was a sight. Let me just tell you. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like the kid that's like doing the windmill. You know, like by the time you get tired, you're just flapping around. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, it's a good workout. Gosh, good for you. That's intense. <laughs> um, what made you jump into that? Was a friend doing it or are you just like, I want to try something new? It was that over 30 and mm-hmm. your body starts to change. And like I had friends that – Health was a priority, and they still acted like they were 20, and I had friends that it wasn't, and they acted like they were 40. Mm. And I definitely started feeling that just sloth kind of, sure. you know, friends would be like, let's go hiking. I'm like, I don't think I can. Like, <laughs> actually, I don't think I can. <laughs> Literally can't. <laughs> um, so a friend actually owns the gym. Oh, and okay. so he's super gung-ho. He's like, all right, give me six weeks and I'll change <gasps> everything. <laughs> have, have you seen results? I love it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel so much better. And yeah, yeah, it is interesting how, I mean, it is the endorphins or the chemicals that come out when you're working out that just really I don't they do they're magic they do something to boost that mood and and there's something about like just having to work out I think my muscles knew that before Mm. if they just played dead that I'd give up real quick (laughs) (laughs) and so um yeah I would try to do anything and they'd just be like nope right and so yeah it's actually seeing what my body can do and Mm -hmm. yeah it's been really a good change did you have to like buy the mitts or are they called mitts? Gosh. Gloves. Gloves. Yes. Oh gosh. <laughs> Gloves. They, they do like wraps. a starter pack and like teach you how to wrap. Oh. But you feel very powerful when your hands are all wrapped. Oh, I'm, even oh though yes. Don't look in the mirror. It will it will crush how cool you feel at the moment. You're like, oh, this doesn't look as cool as it feels. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trust me, you look awesome. I've seen my roommate and it's like that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> you look kind of awesome. I'm kind of scared, but you look awesome. Cool. Okay, so backing up, what got you into radio? That feels like a, a big thing. It's a weird thing to get into, yeah. and it was actually my mom was a church secretary. 
And the person that hosted the morning show went to our church. Okay. And so we were sort of like the version of pastor's kids that our sure. church had. So I was a little fuzzy-headed kid with bare feet running around the uh-huh. church and was there all the time. Yeah. But I was really quiet. And my brother was like Mr. Church. Played piano, sings worship, great preacher. Okay. Like incredible man of God. Yeah. And so they had, they wanted a teen to host a teen program at night. And so they asked my brother (laughs) and I tagged along. That is so fun. And my brother didn't want to give up every Saturday and I loved it. It was, I'm an extrovert, but because I think everybody knew my brother, I was the sidekick. Sure. And so it was my ability to sit in a room and be myself. Mm. And I never thought about anybody listening, yeah. and I just sort of grew into it, and then all of a sudden, I was doing a national radio show, and it just sort of kept growing. Um, so cool. Music community is really close. Mm. Like, it's not actually not that many people, and everybody's friends, and it just became sort of this family that I had, and... A lot of it, radio for me, became a struggle of identity. I had started Mm -hmm. so young Mm -hmm. that I didn't know who I was without it. I was very much used to walking into a room and being known by what I did. Sure. So part of me stepping out of that was God doing some work in my heart because I had a platform, but I didn't have anything to say. Mm. And so I needed that time away to be able to have God do work in my heart, not because I needed content for a show, but because I needed healing. And so I love it. And I actually intend to go back to it. Now that you know who that side of you is. Yeah. But I think it's really important for everyone to have times of growing roots. Mm. And I've even watched friends in music where a tree will go really tall, really fast. And People sometimes don't value the unseen, Mm. that time where it's just you and God, and He's speaking into who you are, and you learn how to feed yourself and and grow, but it's those roots that when that tree grows really tall, is going to hold it. Yeah. And so I also found that I had established myself in my career, but I hadn't spent time with who I was and who God was and why He had called me to that. Right. And so that's one thing with the coffee shop, where it's really easy on radio to say something and sound really wise, Mm. but they don't know if you're doing it. (laughs) Sure, sure. Right now where it's like, okay, we have 60 employees, and if I don't make wise decisions and Mm -hmm. direct our company really well, their life starts to stink really quick, Mm. and there's this accountability of if I don't have the character I say I do, and if I, you know, the whole Enneagram thing, so I'm a nine, and I don't like conflict, and Mm -hmm. so if I don't handle conflict well, watching how their whole work life changes really quick, and a culture changes really quick. And so the accountability of having people there right now, that's unseen and it's dirty and it's hard. And even Mm -hmm. sometimes where people come into a coffee shop and they know me from music industry things and they're like, oh, (laughs) you work in a coffee shop now. Oh gosh, Katie. (laughs) And to really get to the place where it's like, all right, Lord, like if not one of them recognizes me for what I used to do, am I okay just being recognized by you? Am I okay Mm -hmm. for what you're doing in my life and and, uh, where you're growing and healing me and Yeah, I, I feel like this. it's actually been a harder job because of the accountability than mm-hmm. when I could just talk about what I thought I was learning. <laughs> sure, sure. That's brave, though, to 
well, first of all, it's courageous to know that about yourself and then do something about it to step out of what once felt like comfort, knowing like, actually, I think my more true self is over there where it's not going to be comfortable for a little bit trying to figure that out. So good for you. The biggest thing is, is make the jump because Mm. It's scary at first because you do those prayers where you're like, you tell me where I'm called, I'll walk that day, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But when God actually says, like, it's time to go, Mm. it was one of those things of growing up in church, always financially being comfortable because I always had a job since, you know, being 16 kind of Mm -hmm. thing that all of a sudden says, okay, God, you said you're provider. I have a mortgage, so right. don't Remember mess with that. that. <laughs> yeah. yep, um, yep. And just those things where it's like, okay, I, I said that these are the things I believe, and to actually mm. have that tested is actually more fun than I think people realize, because it, there's huh. not many times in the American life that we are truly dependent. Sure. And so to have that season where it's like, okay, Lord, I need to see you very evidently move Uh or I'm in trouble. (laughs) Sure. It was actually, I became so excited and so addicted to how evidently I saw God move. And the Mm. hardest time was actually getting back into routine. Really? Tell me about that. Well, because there's something when all of a sudden you're like, I have a job and I have, and you start forgetting where it's like, no, you're my provision and you can choose to do that through a salary. Yeah. But it doesn't change who you are. And so there's some of those things where it's great when you see that bill paid that you didn't know. Or like I looked back on the time where I wasn't working in between Mm. radio and mocha club. And Mm -hmm. I made more money in those three months than I did any other time in life. And I've done the math over and over again. And it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Just add a plus God. And then, yep, that makes sense. But Mm. it was a very addicting, exciting thing to be like, wow, look what he's doing. Or Mm -hmm. when you have him speak and it is something very precious to your heart, that that's a super exciting thing. Mm -hmm. And when you start getting into those routines of like, well, I got up, I got to work, and then I got home and I just chilled and watched Netflix because I was so tired until (laughs) I rolled over and I just went to bed. (laughs) And you realize how much you cut out time to listen or Mm. stop looking around to see where he's moving and stop listening to hear what he's saying. But when you're just in that dependent place where you're like, all right, Lord, I'm right here. Yeah. And I I don't know what three steps look like. So tell me what right here looks like. It's a really sweet place to be. And I found that most of the time when I'm not in a good place, it's because I've started asking God what three steps ahead looks like. And most of the time it's pulling my eyes back and saying, okay, you have me working at the Well Coffee House today. I, I'm assuming I'm going to work there tomorrow, but we're not going <laughs> to worry about that right now. Today is today. Yeah. Yep. And so it's like, okay, how do you want me to serve the people that I work with? Mm-hmm. How do you want me to handle that one customer, you know? Oh, <laughs> that gosh. guy. Yep, that guy. Um, and just mm. sort of having my heart in the right place of like, okay, show me what you want to do in my heart right now and show mm. me how you want me to serve right now and just mm. today. And I found that I start seeing what God's doing more and how he's working, and I get more excited about his role in my life than I'm worried about, well, I want to be at this spiritual maturity. I want to be this Mm. person in three days, or I want to hit these goals. I don't see what he's actually doing today. Right, right. That feels really restful to listen to. (laughs) Like. At first, it can sound scary and uneasy, but honestly, like just focusing on the day 
and also saying like, Lord, you have the reins. Just like, there's a sigh in that for me of like, oh, I don't have to control this. Oh, that's nice. All right, I just got to kind of sit here and see what he does, which there comes responsibility. And obviously we're humans. We have to act and move and um, interact with this world. But there is some sort of, when you were talking, it felt very like restful to listen to that. Like, oh, yeah. And I think, too, for a long time, I just saw all my brokenness. Mm. And there's still things in my life that I look and go, okay, God, you're going to need to address this at some point. There's a crack in my attitude here. And yeah. But I also know that God sort of shines a light on like, hey, we're going to we're gonna work on this right now. This is dirty mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me start realizing the healing and what he was fixing and doing. And it started to make more sense of like when he talks about, I want to bring you from glory to glory. Mm. And I started seeing like, you're doing good. You're fixing this. You're doing good versus here's all my junk that you need to fix. Well, yeah. great. We got that one out. What? Okay, we've got more junk we need to handle. Right. Because I feel like I was just going from broken to broken to broken Sure. versus I've being able to celebrate and realize, okay, God, when you heal, it's complete. Mm. When you set free, it's complete. Mm-hmm. And given there's more areas that you're going to set me free, there's more areas you're going to heal, I don't have to feel broken and damaged all the time. Hmm. Wow. That is good. Okay. <laughs> Who knew we were going to get this deep on this podcast? This is awesome. Wow, that's really encouraging. Yeah, I feel like any start to the new year for me is always like super exciting and hopeful. And I feel like re-energized. And I just feel like the Lord fills me with a lot of joy entering a new year. And then inevitably it's like month three hits and you're like, oh man, <laughs> I'm not feeling quite as joyful as I used to be, you know? And I think it's because the Lord doesn't stop refining us or pruning us. And he's not scared of showing us our flaws in the kindest way. I'm in that season of like, oh, wow, there's a piece of me I don't like. Okay. Okay. Let's look at this a little longer than two seconds, or let's not deny that this is a reality and let's not in shame focus on it, but in freedom focus on it and see what the Lord wants to do in that place. So I'm glad to hear that you're in that season too, because it, yes. it can feel lonely sometimes, you know? And I think too, it takes a while, at least for me, it's I still struggle with enjoying the process of things mm. because I think, especially in my walk with God, I wanted to achieve spiritual maturity so I could coast to my 80s. There you go. <laughs> you apparently never arrive. Right. So, so they say. So we're going to enjoy each day. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. You've encouraged me. Thank you. So let's talk about the well. So the yes. Lord in this time brought you to the well. How did that even come about? You know, it actually started, the whole company, I'll give you a big picture of it. Yes, yes. The whole company started because a guy did a paper for his, I think it was his master's. And so they were just sort of talking about how to build a community in an area. Okay. And so, I mean, if you look in Bible times, it talks about how people would go to a well, and that's where you got all the gossip, and that's that was a place of community. It was the water cooler kind of idea. Sure, sure. Well... He was saying that sort of modern day wells is coffee shops because people go, hey, let's go get coffee. And that's where mostly like you can go get lunch and stuff like that. But when you get coffee, it's a little bit more like, hey, let's talk. Yes. It's a little more intimate. Yes. And so saying that like, okay, if you want to build a community in an area, having coffee shops and having areas that enable people to build community. Mm -hmm. And so this paper, they had to do like full business plan and all this thing about how you were going to initiate community in a city area. Mm -hmm. And they looked over it and thought, we could do this. And so they started the well and 
because in radio, I had to endorse a lot of nonprofits. It made me really going and seeing, because twice a year we would go see a nonprofit project. Okay. And it was different nonprofits. Uh-huh. We would see their project and then we'd go back on air. And for a week, we would ask people to be a part. Sure. And the, I was so grateful that the nonprofits we worked with, I truly believe in and truly mm. support. But mm-hmm. you'd be in the communities and you'd see stuff happening or past things where people had come in and done projects and it wasn't done well, it wasn't sustainable, Mm. or you would talk to the community and they didn't want it. And so it made me really picky and passionate about how nonprofit work is done. Sure. And I, because I spent a good portion of my life asking people for money, Uh I loved the idea of if you want to do mission work, do good business so that you can support great mission work. Mm, I love that. And so we started a coffee shop. And also, if you're just missional, it's one of those things people come once for the warm and fuzzy of I did something good, but they're not going to come back. Yeah. And so I love that the well is very passionate about doing things well at each step. Mm -hmm. And so we know that if we are not a really good coffee shop, that we're not going to have the funds to go do mission work because we're not good at what we do. And Mm. if we're not good at what we do, why should people trust us with their money to go do better work elsewhere? Sure. Totally makes sense. And so, yeah, we started a coffee shop. Yes. I remember the first one in Green Hills, right? Yes. The old Wendy's, was it? Oh, Burger King. Oh, Burger King. Yes. They ended up putting like a high rise there, so we had to move. Uh Yep. It grew really fast, so we now have six locations. Wow. Wait, six? Six. Okay. And so I actually got involved when we opened. We did an event. Bloodwater Mission was one of them that mm-hmm. I endorsed, and we did an event supporting them at okay. the well. Okay. And because I started radio so young, I missed sort of the coffee shop job that I always wanted. Sure. So I jokingly was like, so when do I start? And they put up with me. So I, love I was able to barista when I was in radio once a week. And I okay. loved that it got me out of the studio and around people. And I grew with the company. And since they grew so fast and I had stepped out of radio, it really worked out that I got to come and help other managers grow their stores. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we're sort of still catching up to the growth. Yeah. But I love the way we go about it. We also realize that we need to be really good at coffee, and we trust some really great nonprofits, Mocha Club being one of them, Mm -hmm. to do water projects because we know that you – like, we spend a lot of time vetting who we use because you need to do it right. And so, you know, are they using locals? Do they have a sustainable plan? Do the locals have buy-in of when this well breaks, what are they going to do to fix it? Right. And you know, and so it's been really cool to get to see those things be able to be funded because yes. of a coffee shop. Yes. Yes. And so you move from barista, not only to barista, but to yeah. director of operations. Yes. That's so exciting. So what's kind of your day-to-day like in that role? It's very... Different every day, which I really yeah. appreciate. Because, yeah, I feel like that would be your MO of like, yeah. something new, something new, great. As someone who's had to sit next to me at a desk, <laughs> I get very fidgety and very loud. <laughs> what you working oh. on, huh? <laughs> what you doing over there, huh? Oh, I miss uh, yeah. <laughs> so... It's anywhere from getting to go to the stores and see how they're functioning and what we can do to increase to be able to do marketing things and 
are we doing things the best way? And mm-hmm. um, so it's, it really is a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, in fact, right now I'm actually getting to manage our store in Bellevue because it's new. Yes. And very I, cool. I love it because I think sometimes in the cool. operations you you have to teach someone else how to implement something, but mm-hmm. you don't really get to see it. Sure. So I'm really enjoying this season right now where I get to work with five or six people and it's us in the trenches every day. Yeah. And um, I'm enjoying that. But it really is just operations would be how do you do it uh-huh. um, and making sure everybody's doing it the same. Yes. Okay, totally. And then when did Bellevue open? It's almost a year. Oh, it's almost a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. We opened downtown and Bellevue about the same time. Okay. Yeah. I love the downtown. It's right by our office. Yes. What was your biggest struggle with opening a new store? Was there something that jumps out as like, gosh, this was something that was we really had to work hard to get past that? I think for me, I view very much that my mission is the people that work for us. And mm-hmm. I want to serve customers well, mm-hmm. but I don't have the accountability to them. So to me, my mission yeah. is really those people that work for us. And we have grown so fast. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done a great job of like keeping the product the same and that kind of thing. Yep. But there's little things that I'm having to readjust of like, when we had one or two stores, our Christmas party was people around a table and we all knew each other and it was yep. fun. Yeah. And then I, I tried to hold on to that a little too long. And I was standing on a chair trying to scream how to do Secret Santa. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't working very well. Yep. To a room of hundreds. <laughs> and so I think versus me being able to pour out into each mm-hmm. of our employees, realizing that, yeah. no, I need to know how to pour out to managers and teach them how to pour out into their employees. Mm-hmm. So there's just certain things that change when you get a little bit bigger like it's how quickly like two and three are absolutely different sure sure. and so trying to keep who we are and love on our employees and our customers really well and still make sure that we're being shops that aren't just a coffee shop but are fostering community amongst our baristas and amongst our employees you know our customers and how do we keep not just the product and the shop and the company who we are, but keep the culture that we are mm-hmm. when it grows. Yeah. And yeah. so I think when we first started, I was so glad we're like, we're not corporate. We just do things differently. And then as soon as we got bigger, I'm like, we need rules, policies, and procedures. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> and so we're now going back through some of those things because it does enable us to love people better. Yes. and. And do things more efficiently and all that. So, I mean, that's the same philosophy that Emily has for our staff as well. We talked about on the podcast, I think a couple episodes ago, but we're um, very focused on community over building. And if you're not loving your people well, then the building part, you don't even get to that part. It doesn't even matter at that point. It's you really got to invest in the people who are doing the work. Who are taking the time. And when you have more people to love on, Mm -hmm. it is harder. Sometimes I see this where people are like, I just love people. I'm so missional. And you're like, yeah, but if I stuck one person in front of you, do you know how to love them? Mm. And sometimes that's hard because people are ugly and messy. Uh And so it's one of those things of like love the people in front of you really, really well because it becomes really hard when there's a bunch of them and you don't have that same investment time and, you know, ability. And so – yeah, you got to love the person in front of you really well yeah. before it grows. And it sounds like you must need a team with you doing that. Like, I can't see Katie doing a one-man show loving on 
Yeah, all these I tried. It didn't work. <laughs> and so that that is one of the things that we're having to adjust yeah. because, yeah, we outgrew really quickly. And so we're sort of doing a little bit of, okay, come back and how do we keep, how do we restructure to be able to do mm-hmm. that well? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, okay, I want to go back to focus more on the well and just logistically how y'all work with your partners. Yeah. So how do you go about the process of finding partners? Do they come to you? Do you go to them? Do you have a cap on how many you support? What does that all look like? So the well will like financially yes. pull out all the operating costs. Everything else goes in a savings account that is designated for well projects. We do have a lot of people that come to us. But like I said, we want to make sure that it is done really well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we don't um, support all of them because we do spend a lot of time vetting and want to make sure that they're doing it well and that it actually is making a difference. And so we always will look into them when they come to us, but it's not always that it ends up being a partner. Sure. We will go through, and a lot of times at the beginning of the year, we just because we've done our budgets of what we're expecting our stores to be able to produce and sure. profits, mm-hmm. we'll be able to go to our nonprofits and say, hey, is there any projects that you know you have coming up in the next year that we can commit that we will fund? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that happens. And a sure. lot of times this stuff comes up during the year. And so they'll come to us and say, hey, this came up. We need X amount to finish this or that kind of thing. And so one of our profit partners in um, Honduras on, I didn't know this, but Germany occupied part of Honduras before World War II. And it put a lot of the locals fled up into the mountains. So like ancient Mayans kind of things are in the mountains. Well, they haven't seen anyone since then. But water is an issue. They do get rain, but okay. they, they don't know how to collect that and how to purify it and that okay. kind of thing. And so there were some ancient Mayans who are engineers and knew how to do it that were going along a mountain ridge and supplying water to these different communities. Huh. And so one of the nonprofit partners we work with is actually – they don't have anyone on staff. It's just engineers that will look over – and city planners that will look over these proposals from yeah. third world countries and sort of say, hey, you need to use this pipe for this or you need to do this. And yeah, they use their vacation time and they huh. go there and oversee the builds. That is really cool. And so that one, because it's, you know, Africa's hard. You can't fly oh, yeah. there easily. Mm-hmm. And so this was the first one that we were able to bring our managers to so that they could really see what their work was doing. Because yeah. when you get busy in the shopping and the fixing sure. and the schedules, yes. it's hard to remember like, oh, no, it actually is making a difference. Yes. And so that was one that they didn't really expect that because they didn't have a contact for an ancient Mayan organization. <laughs> right, right. And so all of a sudden they had all this chain of water projects that they were hoping to get funded. Okay. And so they approached us mid-year and said, hey, this is what it would take. This is how many people it affects. And could you be a part of it? And so a little bit of both. We have sometimes that we know in advance and Mm -hmm. most of the time that's what that savings account is for. And we're able to do that as they come. That's really cool. How often do you get to go and actually see the projects on the ground? That was the first one. Okay. And we've been open seven years. Okay. I don't know that we'll do it a ton. I do think it's great for our employees to get to see and from me being able to be on the ground with other nonprofits, 
with radio, it, it I am amazed how much it changed how I view how things should be done, what I ex- want a nonprofit to do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I do want them to be able to see those things. It's also those things of any time you fly there, that's profits coming out that we could have sent there. And gotcha. so it's gotcha. a little bit thing where it's like, I can't send every employee, but I'd love to send our managers or people that are committed to being there for a while that can share that vision and that mission with the people that work for them. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I am glad that pretty much most of our current managers have been able to see it. What did that do for your first trip down just to actually see the impact knowing like, hey, when I serve someone coffee back in Nashville, Tennessee, yeah, <laughs> this is what it's doing in Honduras. Like I, I gotta imagine that was pretty impactful seeing that firsthand. It is. And I think some of it, some of the managers hadn't seen, you know, they had traveled internationally, but they haven't seen what it looks like to work in a third world. Mm. And so I think, you know, it's like that first mission trip someone takes and they're like, oh, oh, this is the reality of it. Oh, this is how this works. Um, Is really cool for them to be able to see. And it does start connecting like, okay, this does matter. I am excited about this. And Mm. for me, that one trip to Honduras was probably the most rural I've ever been. Really? Um, Yeah. Uh Most of the time, even if you're in third world, it's still been touched by technology and that kind of, and so this was very strange to just have something where it's like, they have not seen a white person since World War II and just how tribal they still were. And just, I'm really grateful that we have nonprofit partners that know how to navigate their culture and, um, do that well. Yeah. That was going to be my next question of just like, how did they like welcome y'all in? I mean, they haven't seen, like you said, a white person in many, yeah. <laughs> many years. Um, how did you see them open up or yeah. How was that approach coming into that culture? And some of it is, is it wasn't just the first time they've seen us. It's not like, hi, we're here. We're digging. You know, the guy from this nonprofit had been there multiple times to see what the land was and what these projects were. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, he lived in the, not lived at that area, but lived in the country for, I think, two or three years. Okay. And so, plus this mine organization had been there. And so we had sort of been in and out of their community for a Got year it. prior to us visiting. Okay. And encouraging them on some things. They had one mm-hmm. structure there and no one had upkept it. And mm-hmm. so one of the things they encouraged was, hey, if you want us to come in and invest in your community, you should. You have everybody who's not currently working. Why don't you ask your men to put the fence back up? Mm-hmm. And so, like, they really did expect, like, hey, if you want water, you know, we're going to come help dig this main line, but you guys need to do it down your street into your house. And even them explaining, like, there's going to be a water bill. And they knew right. that culturally – that they would be okay with like paying one month, not the other, and like sort of do this up and down. Mm-hmm. And so they'll say, if you don't pay, we will shut it off. And it is like three times the amount if we have to turn it back on. Right. And right. it's them just sort of knowing like, hey, this is how they would function kind of thing. And them telling us like, hey, the leaders most likely will come up to you and say, well, I'm the mayor, so I shouldn't have to pay. Or, you know, and so all mm. of them was like, you need to put it through us and we'll handle it. Right. Um, so them just knowing like, hey, this is the best way for this community to own this and have the discipline to – that it's theirs and they right. need to upkeep it and yes. how to upkeep yes. it. And so 
like we literally came and we were delivering the PVC pipe in the trenches they were putting in and, you know, glue it together, drop it in the hole. Sure, sure. But the men of the community did the work. That's awesome. And so watching them get to celebrate when the water came on and, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing is really cool because they own it. It's theirs. Yes. Um, I mean, that's true in the States or even personally. Like if I have my hand in on something, I'm going to be way more focused on taking care of it because it's something that I put my time and my heart into. So it's the way to do it. Yeah. To make it sustainable for sure. And I think there are even things is because they're collecting rainwater. Hmm. If they didn't value it, it would not be uncommon for someone to turn on the spigot and let it run all day. Okay, yeah. And so if they realize, like, your whole community will not have water if you do that. Right. <laughs> um, so just sort of getting them to fully understand, this is how it is. This is how it works. This is, you know, yes, you have water and we have enough water that you can use as much water as you need. Mm. But if you get crazy with it, it it will end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it will run out. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next. It's not magic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So on this podcast, we always talk about just perspective shifts and how Emily and I love having conversations with people where we might come across a statement or a truth or something we believe or even a behavior that just we kind of poke at and kind of question and (laughs) and not in a way to demand that it needs to be changed or that it's wrong by any means, but just a way to say like, hey, maybe look at it this way or like interesting to maybe think about it in this perspective and in just a way really to open up our minds and hearts to different ways and people. So can you pick a moment, either in your travels, maybe Honduras, maybe something else, or even your time at the well, where you feel like there's been a perspective shift for you, where someone maybe poked at something that was kind of your MO, that kind of made you think differently? I actually think Emily was a big part of that. Really? (laughs) Yeah, and I I think... I would love to hear that. Yeah. I'm not an emotional person, so getting to go on those trips, I love the kids, and they're so fun, and they want to play, and they're so sweet, Mm -hmm. but I'm not the person that, like, show me a picture of the big doe-eyed child that I'm going to, my heart's going to melt. Like, I'm a very logical, well, what's the numbers? If I give, you know, Mm -hmm. if I give $5, what is it going to do? Right. You know, and so I really loved getting to be a part of Mocha Club and watching, you know, so I had, I came in with all these ideas of what I had seen. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there was a lot of things where I was like, well, that just gave me the warm and fuzzy, but I don't think it actually lasts or matters. Yeah. And, and so I had seen these things and that was the first time that that girl can do strategy. Like, yeah, she can. She is incredible (laughs) when she's, and I, I remember one of them is someone had donated a pallet of Bibles Mm. and they decided to sell them in the States and repurchase them over in Africa because it stimulated their economy and it actually was cheaper than shipping them. Mm -hmm. And just sort of that thing of like, hey, what's the, thank you for your gift, Mm -hmm. but what is the best way to do this? Mm, Yeah. And so watching her, every those little things, Mm -hmm. constantly like, what is the way that's actually going to make a difference? And what's the best strategy? And what do they want? And what do they need? Yeah. And so I think just getting a chance to watch her in those moments Mm -hmm. was a big like, oh, this is why I've seen when yeah. I go in the country and there's wells that's not working or there's this attitude towards certain charitable donations mm-hmm. or just that kind of thing that it was like, 
this okay this is starting to make more sense hmm. that's really cool yeah she's a wise woman we are thankful to have her yeah. <laughs> but it's it did great. make me a lot more critical giver like it it mm. doesn't change the fact that i want to give and i want to be a part but it does yeah. change of like i want to know that I'm partnering my money with the right people because yeah. the people that are doing it, I want them to have all the resources to go do what they need to do. Yes. But I've also seen seen organizations where it's like, you're really good at marketing. That's nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, so it, it made me want to shake people more and be like, be an educated giver. Mm. Ask questions. And if you don't know which questions you, to ask, Start asking questions of what questions you should ask. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it made me a lot more passionate of like, okay, I want to be an educated giver. And when I do know that an organization is great, I feel so free to pour out in that area. Sure. Yeah. Because they're, in that sense, the experts because they've done the work to figure out what's best. And yeah, you can kind of uh, trust that it's going to be used well. Yeah. <gasps> the well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so does The Well have anything fun coming up that uh, we can look forward to? I know you guys do concerts randomly. We do, yes. Fun events at uh, your coffee shop. So what's coming up? Centricity is a record label mm-hmm. that does concerts. Okay. Uh, we do like local show with Andrew Peterson, and he does yes. it every two weeks. Centricity started doing a very similar thing. They do it once a month. Okay. So there actually is really great music. It's awesome. And we had new drinks come out this week and <gasps> tell us more I always like that we do seasonal competitions and so we actually well, switch neat. our drinks with the seasons okay and our baristas come up with all of them so no way oh yeah they're oh incredible so That's really cool we'll pick a night and after close we all come and we'll get food and everybody's hanging out and then we'll have like a little panel of judges and some of the baristas will be on there we actually had we do direct trade with some of our farmers. And okay. so one of our farmers from Guatemala, was it was his first trip to the States. He was very excited. Cool. His name's Eddie. Eddie. He was actually able to come one time and be a judge. And uh, so they'll present their drink and they'll okay. explain like, well, this one has lavender and fennel and, uh-huh. and this, and this is how I made it. And it can very be cool. hot and cold. And mm-hmm. so they'll explain it and then we'll pick which ones are going to be on the menu. And so how neat we have really good, like we've got really fun and really good ones. So, okay. That's really cool. Now, speaking of coffee, where do you source your beans and all that stuff? So Everywhere. some of them like Eddie, where we actually met Eddie when we got to do a trip, a mission trip. Very cool. And uh, he has a little coffee shop there and we met him and he brought us back to his family's farm and we got to taste the beans and mm-hmm. um, yeah, his dad looked like this old Honduran Indiana Jones guy. Oh, I love it. Um, I love it. And so we've gotten to just keep a relationship with him. So each okay. year we buy majority of his harvest okay. and it lasts us for about six months. Okay. So um there are some of them where it's like farms are not big enough, so they do sort of like a co-op where it's like, okay, okay all of us are going to put our beans together so that we have enough to fill a pallet or yeah. that kind of thing. Totally. So it's a little bit of mix. If we can do direct trade, we do. And if okay. not, um, there's like a cafe imports. There's different okay. organizations that sort of help you do the – because shipping and getting it here is quite the process. Oh, yeah. So we also have some organizations that help us – do the co-ops and get it shipped here and yeah. that kind of thing. Do all the logistics of 
Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. I wouldn't even know where to start with that whole world. That feels very fascinating and overwhelming at the same time. It's different (laughs) when you start doing all the international stuff. Like it adds a lot of complexity to it. And so. Yeah. Okay. So in your opinion, what country produces the best beans? Oh. Do you have, for your palate, do you have a favorite? I'm getting more and more into specialty coffee just because before I was like, eh, give me my sugar latte. I'm good yeah, with yeah. it. Wait, sorry for the lay, lay people here. What's specialty coffee? It would be so if you pretty much any bean can taste nutty and chocolatey. But Got if it. you get like a bean from Africa because of altitude and what's in the soil, like that bean is going to taste more citrusy. Okay. And that's considered a specialty. Yeah. So specialty coffee is going to be, it needs to be graded so high. Got it. And a lot of times we're into like single origin. And so that you're actually getting tasting notes from a specific area. Interesting. But specialty coffee specifically is going to be a certain grade and higher. Okay. And so anything from South America is going to be a little bit more nutty, chocolatey. Africa is going to be a little bit more citrus, that kind of thing. Um, so huh. a little bit right now because I've once you put milk and syrup in it, you, it it'll taste like coffee, but you're gonna lose some of that. Oh, this tasting note kind right, of right. definition. <laughs> so some of it I'm just enjoying trying a different one every day and learning how different it is. Wow! And even just how you can change it. And so we have to dial in our espresso all throughout the day and starting to learn like, okay, if it's sour, then you need to adjust the grind this way. And if it's bitter, you need to adjust the grind this way. And how much control you have to really make it taste like you want and and get it balanced. And so I'm enjoying the science and the nerdy part of it Uh right now. I just had no idea that you could change or morph the taste by the way that you process it. Baristas go through so much training because even, you know how like cooking oils break down at certain temperatures? Yeah. The oils. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just talking about that with a friend last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the different oils in coffee are going to develop at a certain temperature too. Okay. And so a roaster is going to need to know how to bring the center of a bean to a certain temperature before toasting the outside to bring out certain tasting notes. And then you're going to huh. use certain brew methods because that's going to pull those notes out even more. And so it is a lot – like I like science and math and all that stuff. It uh-huh. is a lot of science. And so it's fun to dive in and really, really learn about. Huh. Wow. Yeah. My, world, my whole horizon has just opened <laughs> as I'm drinking my fully uh, sugared and There is still coffee. a place for that. Because people are like, are you offended that I put cream? I was like, I grew up in church and there's something <laughs> special about cheap coffee and coffee make coffee creamer thank that you. is dear to my heart. Oh, thank you for that permission. I feel, I feel uh, comfortable with you now. Um, that's awesome. Wow, gosh, we just covered a lot of topics. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Is Thanks there anything for having me. else you want to share before we, before we close it out? I know. I think Any we got it thoughts? all. Yeah. I know. We went from like coffee shops to nonprofits <laughs> to like heart level we sucked. Like, <laughs> man, good, good, good conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. Yeah. Thanks for having awesome. me. Alrighty, friends, are you feeling caffeinated over there? That was a lot of coffee talk, but I have loved it, and I hope that you enjoyed it as well. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you go over to iTunes, 
would you leave a review? Would you leave a rating? Leave us some comments. We just want to hear from you. Yeah, that would be really helpful moving forward to creating more podcasts for our listeners. And as always, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. For Mocha Club, it's at Mocha Club. And for African Leadership, it's at African Leadership. We hope you continue to tune out on these conversations. Thanks, y'all.